Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome in, everybody, to the this week's edition of the SEC Football Show for Wednesday, November 27th. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to one and all out there, and appreciate you joining us. Be safe if you're traveling during this holiday weekend. And uh, we um, will uh, certainly have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to talk about here uh, as the rankings for Week 14 college playoff rankings for Week 14 have come out. We're heading into rivalry. Last week of the season, the full-fledged rivalry weekend, and we're going to break down what's happened, where we are, and uh, obviously um, break down uh, the games for this coming weekend and give you a good feel for what's going on uh, around the league. So as we take a look at the standings, not much has changed. Georgia is at four. Alabama at five. LSU sits there at two. The remaining SEC teams are Florida at 11. Auburn at 15. So you've got five SEC teams, um, six Big Ten, four in the Big 12, two in the SEC plus Notre Dame as Virginia Tech joins Clemson. Um You've got three in the Pac-12 and five in the group of five. Highest ranked is Memphis at 18, Cincinnati at 19, Boise at 20, and Appalachian State at 25. So what did this really mean? It means still that LSU in Georgia in the league still control their own destiny in terms of when out, they're in. Alabama needs a little help. Um if Georgia loses, then there's and, – and Alabama's impressive over Auburn, um, then I think that's where the decision's going to have to be made and we go from there. But there's still a decent chance, I think, for two teams to get in from the SEC. Still some important games. Um, not a lot of – not a lot of games left, but still enough games to where – a lot of things can still happen. Um, Ohio State is number one. 
taken over LSU. My theory on that has been, first of all, it is justified. Ohio State is very impressive, beat a very good Penn State team last week. If Ohio State's able to beat Michigan and then beat Minnesota or Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game, I think they're likely going to stay number one. But it really depends upon a couple of things. Most importantly, where does does the second SEC team get in? So if Georgia gets in, for example, if they beat LSU, then certainly that will drop LSU. You will see them keep the two SEC teams apart, just as you would see them keep two Big Ten teams apart if Ohio State made it after losing, let's say, the Big Ten championship game to Minnesota. Uh, if Minnesota wins out, Minnesota could get in, knock somebody out. They're going to keep the two conference teams apart. Now, they're going to tell you that that's not the plan. They're going to go one through four. It's going to be close enough that they're going to keep them apart. So I think it's set up to where if you were to have uh, an SEC team get in, two SEC teams get in, uh, you're going to see them not play in the semifinal game, and uh, that's that's what I think what would happen. Um, those are my two thoughts on it. I still think there's um, that Ohio State and LSU and Clemson and Georgia kind of control their way, but how about Minnesota? Minnesota, if they – and I do not think this is going to happen – if they lose to, or excuse me, if they beat Wisconsin and they beat Ohio State, then there's a matter of matching up Ohio State against, let's say, a Georgia against an LSU. How does LSU lose the game to Georgia? I mean, there are a number of quality of, of possibilities. So it is not 100% certain. Uh, I think that... Um, that Minnesota wins out, I think that they're going to get in. I just don't think that's going to happen. So you've got um, four or five possibilities. Then you got, you know, obviously Alabama, Utah, Oklahoma still in it, Baylor still in it. But that's kind of pretty much uh, where it ends from that standpoint. So now, as we look at this week's schedule, there's no doubt that if you're looking at it in terms of playoff implications, Auburn, Alabama is huge. It would certainly mean an awful lot in terms of Alabama proving themselves worthy. Uh, it Certainly, Ohio State, Michigan is big for that rivalry standpoint, but it's also, I think, big for securing, maybe locking down a playoff spot if you're Ohio State. Probably need to win that. I mean, Ohio State cannot lose to Michigan and, and lose, um, for example, a Big Ten championship game. It can't lose twice and get in. So, you know, and I think that LSU's in the same boat. They can't lose twice. So, LSU, A&M. Alabama, Auburn, Ohio State, Michigan, 
really important. Certainly Utah cannot afford to lose to Colorado. Um, Oklahoma is an important game against Oklahoma State. So there's still some important games to be played here um, this weekend. And in the conference, um, it is Alabama-Auburn. Been asked a lot, how is how does Auburn and Alabama match up? What is the likelihood that Alabama can win? By how much? A lot of things at stake. Well, the the one thing that when you start to evaluate this Alabama team, you're looking at this team differently with Mac Jones in a quarterback. People will make assumptions, and I think it's a fair assumption to say that they're not as good with Mac Jones as they are with Tua. It's a safe assumption. I mean, it's a pretty safe assumption. However, as it relates to how do they match up with the other teams comparatively in college football, don't really know, to be all honest with you. Arkansas, Western Carolina are not two opponents where I can sit there and say, I saw him do it against those teams. I see it translating. I, I saw good performances. I think there's every reason to believe that with their weapons at receiver, they can play good football. And I think we're going to have to see how impressive Alabama is. I think that Alabama might need to win impressively because I do think at this point, when you look at it, there will be some talk and some frustration and consternation if Utah jumps Alabama the last week. But Utah, by virtue of beating Oregon, would then have a conference championship. So, for Alabama to get in over Utah, they have to be unequivocally better, clearly better, without any doubt. Okay, listen, we're not talking about historically. We're not talking about perception-wise. If you've done your homework and you've watched these teams, can you clearly say that Alabama is unequivocally better? Well, at this point, you can't say that with any degree of certainty because I can tell you that I can't, and I think a lot's going to depend on the performance against Auburn because it clearly defines how good Alabama or not is Alabama versus with Mac Jones against a really good team. They're going up against a great defense. So, as you kind of partial and look, you will see how good is this offensive team, a loaded team on offense. How good is it truly with Mac Jones? And you're going up against a really good team. I think that's going to define it. So Alabama makes their statement one way or the other on Saturday. Utah has to make their statement taking care of business against Colorado, and then beating Oregon. Utah's not been in a lot of big-moment games. It's like Oregon. Big-moment game, 
played a game in conference against Arizona State on the road. Tough challenge, no doubt. Couldn't get it done. Can Utah get it done? So Utah's got some work to do. Don't know how the committee's going to do it. I can't tell you how I'm going to have it because I need to see those games. It's that close. So I can't tell you. I will tell you after studying both of those games. Say, well, how does it look right now? Look, it's at Alabama at five, Utah at six, six. That's fair. It will play out. And I think the controversy is going to be if Alabama decisively beats Auburn and Utah decisively beats Colorado and then decisively beats Oregon, it's going to be clear that both look very close, both look good, and it's going to be does one – remember, Alabama has to clearly be better than Utah – whereas Utah just needs to be perceived as good. It's the best way to put it. That's how the committee will look at it. So keep that in mind. Certainly you've got Oklahoma in the mix in that they're on the outside looking in, in in my view. They don't look as good as Utah or Alabama, in my view. Oklahoma has to beat Oklahoma State decisively, beat Baylor decisively, and then from there, get a little bit of help in front of them. So I, I do think that there's, as it relates to the SEC, there's the best chance of getting two in is obviously if Georgia wins out because I don't think there's much argument at that point. If they are conference champions, uh, they would get in. L.A. Shoe would get in. And that by that view, I heard people say, Alabama fans, I mean, oh, uh, we're, how do we, we're, we're better than Georgia. Look, folks, if Georgia wins the SEC championship game, a game that Alabama didn't go to, and Georgia beats LSU at a neutral site, well, it is in Atlanta, so it is a neutral site, not neutral field. It's not necessarily neutral in terms of um, a fan base. I get it. But you win the conference championship – and you beat LSU, when you couldn't beat LSU at home, I I don't think there's any leg to stand on if you're Alabama, um, if you're looking at it objectively. So, look, we don't have the answers today, folks. It's it's going to be determined through the next – this this week it ends for Alabama, and they will make their final statement, whereas Utah has work beyond that. Oklahoma has work beyond that. Minnesota uh, can stay alive in the race with a win. So that's kind of a look at the SEC from a national standpoint. From Auburn, Alabama, again, to circle back at that game, uh, I'm going to get to some keys in that matchup. But I want to go back a little bit. It was not much of a week in the league as Stanford, uh, Stanford got blown out by Auburn. Alabama blew out Western Carolina. Vanderbilt was able to beat East Tennessee. Kentucky was able to beat UT Martin. (coughs) Mississippi State beat Abilene Christian. Great win for Tennessee over Missouri. Georgia hung on against um, Texas A&M. And then obviously LSU blowing out Arkansas. Takeaways, 
overviews of those games. I want to get into that before we kind of look ahead to this week's matchups and kind of focus points. Um, first of all, Tennessee has gradually gotten better and better, and certainly from where they've been the early part of the season's awfully impressive. Missouri's got some real issues. I don't think they're going to lose to Arkansas, but a loss to Arkansas could put Barry Odom in an awful lot of danger. This is um, it's a team that's really struggled, been really disappointing. They have found out that their bull ban has been upheld. Uh, it's a shame that the NCAA uh, took so long to answer this. Um, certainly would have been difficult had they gone on the type of run that potentially I thought they could be uh, headed for. They, they were not able to get this done. So um, Missouri's really had a disappointing year, and I would expect that they're going to look at some things staff-wise uh, because this is getting uh, very, very uh, bleak-looking for Missouri and where Barry Odom and certainly one of their own. But I worry about the future there. Um, Georgia, A&M, as I said, even tweeted out that this A&M team looks like they're getting better and better on film. There's no question as a program. I think it's positive. They're headed in the right direction. There's still a ways to go. Still some recruiting challenges. Still need to get more talent in. Next year with a schedule that's not as difficult, I think they've got opportunities to make some inroads next year. But this year, their schedule was too tough, and I didn't think they were at that point. So getting over this year was really difficult. But the challenge of getting better and working through it, I've been really impressed. Um, I'm curious to see what they're going to do against LSU this week. More on that in a second. For Georgia, I've said it for a couple of weeks. I'll say it again. Georgia is a very good defensive team, and they're a good line of scrimmage team both ways. They can absolutely play with anybody in the country. The whole key for them is not their style change. It's not opening it up. What it is is inefficiency with their red zone offense. Their ability to score touchdowns in the red zone is the critical element that's going to either give them a chance and become a factor or it's going to be their undoing because that's the only thing they lack. They can run the football. They can control the football. I think they can run a ball control passing attack. But how effective they can be in the red zone. If you can't get sixes and you get threes, you're not going to beat a really good offensive team. You're not going to beat LSU, for example, in the conference championship game. Let's just start there. If you you don't get sevens, the most debilitating thing to an opposing defense is to be able to run the football, control the football, dominate, and then finish with a touchdown. If they're able to do that, yes, they can limit LSU's possessions. Yes, they can control the game in that regard. But if they don't come away with sevens, LSU will have enough possessions to beat Georgia because you can play well defensively. You can do a great job against a team like LSU for a while. But if you can't play ball control enough, 
and keep your defense fresh enough and you can't finish the drives with seven enough, then LSU will have too many opportunities and with their ability to score, you won't be able to to get enough points to win it. So it's really going to come down to that. But the style about, well, how good they are, how not good they are, it is going to be an interesting challenge and an interesting game once we get past this weekend if LSU is able to beat A&M and Georgia is able to take care of Georgia Tech, as I expect, in both cases. We're going to have that discussion next week about LSU's defense and Georgia's offense in that matchup because that's the weak link of both teams, and there's no doubt that LSU is the more prominent offensive team and defense is more prominent. Well, it really comes down and people say, well, what's more important? There is no more important. What matters, I certainly, again, love having great defenses. But the offense is you have to score points. You have to score touchdowns. And the inability to do that, even though you play great defense, is going to cause you to fall short. So it's you people say, well, you want offense, one defense. Yes, that's what it takes to be great. You have to be balanced. Um, it's what Ohio State looks pretty balanced. Clemson looks pretty balanced. It's why they look like the best teams. And to me on film, they look like the two best teams in the country. And I do think that right now Georgia and LSU are a little bit short. So we shall see if Georgia can be more productive in the red zone getting sevens, and if LSU can either get healthier and become a little bit better situationally on defense to get off the field on third downs in the red zone, that can get the tides. You don't have to be like 50-50 equally as good on each part, but you have to have enough balance to play complementary football to win across different styles, and that's going to be the determining factor of how deep this Georgia team or this LSU team can go. Um, as it relates to this week, the key things that I'm looking for in the matchups, first of all, I do want to start Ole Miss-Mississippi State and talk a little bit about what this game is going to mean for both. Um, I think this game, obviously, as a rivalry game, is very important. It is Thanksgiving night. And by the way, I credit both of these programs and plan the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night. They've created a, a better identity for the Egg Bowl by putting it consistently on Thanksgiving night. I think one of the things and one of the frustrations is how college football has kind of lost their way a little bit with the NFL in notoriety. And I think one of the th- there are a lot of things you can do. Don't have time to get into it. But I think for today, as it's Thanksgiving weekend, it sure would be great if they, it's college football, some other programs with good rivalry games, not the biggest ones. It's a, you know, it's a Virginia, Virginia Tech, for example, are playing on Friday. 
early on. Maybe Texas, Texas A&M, if they can get that game going again. Uh, maybe Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, Louisville, Kentucky, Indiana, Purdue, Clemson, South Carolina, Wisconsin, Minnesota for the Axe. But decide, play games on Thanksgiving Day. There should be a triple header of college football like there's a triple header for the NFL. Should have an early game, kind of that early window, 11, you know, central, 11.30 central, you know, 2.30, 3 o'clock central, and then 6.30, 7 o'clock at night where you got the egg ball. Put two extra games. I think it create it could really create um, more identity for some of those bowl matchups. I'm not talking about Ohio State, Michigan. I'm not talking Alabama-Auburn. I don't know if that's ideal, but I think there's some games that really can create a little bit more of a buzz nationally by finding their own niche and doing it on Thanksgiving. I think they're missing the boat. Look at it on Friday. I think it's great that Washington-Washington State are playing in the Apple Cup and Virginia-Virginia Tech and um, Iowa-Nebraska and Cincinnati-Memphis. Boy, that's they could turn around and play again. That's a big game. That's the That's a Big focus game at 2.30 on Friday. It's great. It gives a great identity. Uh, you know, maybe even G5 uh, games could be played on Thanksgiving Day. I think they're missing the boat on that. I digress a little bit. Mississippi State, this game's big for Joe Moorhead. I think that if he's not able to win this game, we already know the fit's not very good, the frustration's there. I don't know that they make a move on them, but I think that it's going to be very difficult, more contentious, and very problematic to lose this game. I wonder if there's any way that he can skedaddle out of there, get in the mix for the Rutgers job, which is now not going to Greg Shannon. More on that in the Big Ten show. Um, there's a sense and a feeling I get that Joe Moorhead's not long for Starkville. And vice versa. Whereas Ole Miss, they like and believe in Matt Luke, and they want to believe in him. So he can survive a loss. I'm not sure Joe Moorhead can. So it's a huge game with implications there. We know Arkansas is going to make a move. I've already said if Arkansas was able to pull an upset over Missouri, it could be the end to Barry Odom. So we've got on Thursday night and on Friday – Two games that involve some coaching issues there. Saturday, you've got South Carolina hosting Clemson. Will Muschamp's going to return next year at South Carolina, but it's not going to look pretty if they get blown out again by Clemson. And um, there's been at least some belief. I think it's more hopeful, wishful thinking, by some key boosters that – Will's job could be in trouble if he loses. I think he's coming back. I think that's what the administration is going to do. But I think there's there's a lot of unrest there, and a blowout loss certainly not going to help things. Georgia, Georgia Tech is going to be an interesting look to it because we're not going to see a Georgia Tech run the option, and I think it's going to help Georgia protect them a little bit. Um in terms of health and not have to adjust and prepare going forward beyond this game. Uh, I do think Jeff Collins is on the right track. This is a good tune-up game um, preparatory for the 
SEC championship game. Louisville, Kentucky is going to be very intriguing. Kentucky has had a done a great job. We talk about the great coaching jobs in this conference. We know Ed Orgeron is going to get a lot of credit, justifiably so. Jeremy Pruitt has turned things around, justifiably so. He deserves a lot of credit. Mark Stoops is not getting enough credit. Third quarterback, are you kidding me, to play as well as they have, to be as competitive as they have, to get bowl eligible, really impressive. Um, playing against a Louisville team coached by Scott Satterfield that I think is without a doubt, hands down, the ACC coach of the year. What he's done there has been phenomenal. I thought that was a dumpster fire. It was no reflection on Scott, but I didn't think they'd win many games this year. Very, very impressed by what they've done. Tennessee hosts Vanderbilt. You would think the way they're playing and where Vanderbilt's playing that that three-game win streak comes to an end. Um, Florida State's not going to be much for Florida, I don't think. So it's down to the two games that will be maybe most intriguing in the conference this week, and it's LSU hosting A&M. We all know how that game ended last year. It ended with the seven overtimes. It had a change in the overtime rules. It was one of the freakier games of the year. It ended after that game with some very um, contentious moments led by Damian Craig, who used to be on LSU staff, was fired by Ed Orgeron, um, really get involved in a lot of trash talking, which normally is associated with players, but an assistant coach getting involved in it was pretty embarrassing. It led to some talk and somebody saying something about Something, and you know how that escalates. And then, unfortunately, um, it was a staffer from A&M that punched um, Steve Craigthorpe of LSU, who literally, with Parkinson, has a pacemaker, and literally caused the pacemaker to have some issues. So it's very serious. Very unprofessional on both sides how it ended. You know, certainly um, one in which LSU felt like um, bad calls cost them, and it did, but they also put themselves in situations where they should have beaten the team that they're more talented than. So it's obviously LSU's year. It's payback time. It's in Baton Rouge. They're going to want to make a statement for a couple of reasons. Um, and so we'll see what they can do here in this game. I think it's always a challenge to focus those energy, focus those intensities in your preparation so that you can be sharp, that you can go after it and attack, but do it in a way that's going to be productive towards a win and not just uh, think about what you're going to do and how you're going to blow somebody out to the point where you're not fundamentally sound. You get a late hit and you give an opponent cheap 15 yards and a first down and keep drives alive and things like that. So I've seen it go both ways. So it's going to be an interesting game. LSU should win. LSU should likely win pretty decisively. So it gets into Alabama, Auburn. I go back to the question that I've been asked. How good is Mac Jones going to be against Auburn? 
And I really don't have that answer. I'm going to have the answer Saturday. But I have to discuss how I think the game plan is going to be, and I want to do that for you. I think it's going to require an unbelievable effort by Alabama creatively to try to get the ball down the field vertically. They're going to have to protect very well. I think they're going to have to move the pocket some. They're going to have to really do a good job of making plays after the catch. I think as improved as I think and as well played as this offensive line of Alabama has been and progressed during the course of the year, this Auburn defensive front has got the edge here. So you've got to find creative ways to run the football and to work the short passing game and make plays after the catch. And you're going to have to be able to throw deep on off downs, take some chances, make some big plays. Get a lead, Alabama, and I think your defense will show up pretty well against this Auburn offense that has been very inconsistent. But the key matchup, the focus matchup is going to be, again, Alabama's offense. How good will it look? How effective will it be? Remember, this is a defense, an Auburn defense, that can only that only gave up 23 points to LSU. If Alabama is able to match that or exceed that in Auburn, that'd be pretty impressive. That'd be pretty impressive. So LSU's not able to score but 23 at home. Alabama can go out and score 28, 30 points if they're able to do that. Quite a statement, and I think a statement to the committee and certainly would be enough points to win this game. Can they do it? Look, I'm not sure that they can. I really don't know. I think this is a tough matchup. I I think that Auburn's chances are pretty good. I think they'd love nothing more to spoil and eliminate Alabama from the playoff conversation. We know that. But I also think they match up pretty well. And I also think this is a challenge that this Alabama offense is not faced. And certainly this Alabama offense with Mac Jones We've not seen him face anything at this point of note. So this is going to be, I think, one of the more intriguing Alabama-Auburn games because of the storylines. Look, we've seen it in the kick six. We've seen it in the comeback. We've seen teams on their way to a championship, and this game was the next hurdle and something you had to clear before you took that next step. Auburn's not going to be in the playoff conversation. Neither will Alabama if they lose the game. If they win it, they may not get in it. But how they look will matter. So this game not only has the the typical traditional elements to it, but certainly from a style and a result standpoint, it does matter. It matters a great deal. So it's going to be uh, very, very interesting. Uh, We're going to get into – LSU-Georgia talk a little bit more next week. The Arkansas search is continuing. There has been some discussions about some level of interest of Justin Fuente, who has obviously turned things around this year at Virginia Tech. Um, Certainly Justin uh, had some uh, experience there at Memphis, So there's a geographical connection and certainly something that I think he would have absolutely considered if he was going from Memphis. I think there's still a much better chance that a Mike Norvell would be a better fit there. But let's keep an eye out. I don't sense at this stage 
with what Virginia Tech's got left, um, that he's all that much of a candidate or even a candidate at all. We'll keep you up to date on LandryFootball.com on all of that. Before we get out of here today, I want to thank our great friends at 401k Generation for bringing you this podcast uh, and bringing you all of our podcasts. If you've got a business and you want to set up a 401k or, you, you, you know, whether it's issues on 401ks or IRAs or any money management or investment inquiries, you, you want to speak with someone that's a professional. Eddie Rojas and his team's at, at team at 401k Generation, they're licensed in all 50 states. They're here to help you grow your finances, protect your finances, Reach out to them today. Give them a call or a text. Tell them that you heard about us, uh, heard about him from us. Um, would be great. We wouldn't have this podcast if it wasn't for them. And it's a service to you. That's why we partnered up with them. So one 998 5879 is where you want to call. Um, and if you've got a business or you think – you're a good fit to promote your business on our website uh, and on our uh, podcast, uh, give us a call. Hit contact Chris, and I'll get TJ to get in touch with you today. Check out all of our podcasts that drop around each and every conference every week, as well as send me a question if you want me to address it. Again, hit contact Chris, and I will do so. Um, I'll end with a question from Mark that asks about Georgia. And asking how much does losing Jim Cheney contribute to Georgia's offensive struggles? Well, Mark, Jim Cheney was basically let go by Georgia. Uh, they let him go to Tennessee. They didn't match the offer, and he got a better offer. Uh, James Coley was actually taken over more of the offense last year. So this was something that was in the works. Um, you may or may not know that, but he was basically running the offense last year, James Coley, that is. I don't think it has anything to do with it. Their style is based upon their personnel and what their um, their approach is. Um, it's not play calling that's the issue. The issue is the receivers, their inability to win off the line of scrimmage and the win on the top of their routes. Those two things have contributed to their ineffectiveness at times in the passing game, moving the football, staying on the field, protecting leads, maximizing point value in the red zone, all of those things contribute to uh, all the result of, I think, some issues. I don't think the quarterbacks played particularly well either, um, but I think a lot of it's due to the timing and rhythm being off. I think he's a little bit uncomfortable and pressing a little bit. So um, I don't think that the, the, the Jim Cheney, the frustration was that he was – that with James Coley this year is that it looks too much like Jim Chaney. So, no, I don't think that is the big issue there. Appreciate the question. Appreciate you joining us for this week's edition of the SEC Football Show. Join us next week as we wrap up all things SEC football, take you inside the film room, see where we are as the, we head towards conference championship week. We'll break down LSU-Georgia, see where every, everybody else fits into the playoff standings. It's only – um, going to be uh, Alabama that's in the mix. We'll see where things are there. Get you closer to the bowl matchups. A lot of things going on, so we'll be here to bring it to you, cover it for you here at the SEC Football Show. Enjoy the football games, everybody. Be safe on the road if you're traveling for Thanksgiving. God bless. Happy Thanksgiving. Talk to you next week. 
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.